when we are sitting here trying to push things on our children that that aren't really for them, that's probably going to promote something else. Resentment and anger or trying to trying to get away. That's maybe why sometimes children leave before it's time. <laughs> Is that pressure? I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. Margaret Gallant, and don't let anyone tell you differently, is a hero. What's the definition of a hero? A hero is a person who is admired for their courage, their outstanding achievements, and their noble qualities. So let's start from the top. Courage is an understatement. This woman is is brave, a lioness, never afraid to stand up and be heard regardless of who's in the room. She knows who she is, and more importantly, she knows who her savior is, and she's not afraid to let people know that either. Her outstanding achievements, simple, just look at her home. Look at what she has built alongside her husband. Three wonderfully fantastic children, Bailey, Mackenzie, and RD, I remember that last name, who are a testimony to their faithfulness and their sacrifice as parents. Nothing speaks louder to the value of the gospel than a well-ordered family whose foundations are laid on the principles of heaven. And noble qualities? Well, let's just say if her passport wasn't blue, she could probably have been the Queen of England someday. She exudes class and respect and honor. The way I'm going on, you'd think Margaret Gallant was someone hidden in the New Testament, but no, she's... Just a woman that I admire greatly, and I'm chuffed to have her join us and be one of our guests on why they did that. We sat down to discuss the most difficult of topics, raising children, which has another word, a better synonym, if you will, sacrifice. No one knows that sacrifice, perhaps aside from Mary, the mother of Jesus, as much as Hannah does. Desperate for a child, yet barren, she prayed one of the most famous prayers in all of Scripture, and the Lord wasted no time in blessing her with a child, the prophet Samuel. Yet it's the contents of this prayer that are fascinating. She promises God that if he would give her a child, she would give him straight back. Whatever is the purpose of that, you may wonder. And that, my friends, is the very heart of what Christian parenting is all about. If this was a story of today, Mm -hmm. Hannah would have been introduced by maybe another identity, lawyer, banker, nurse, realtor, teacher. But she's not. (laughs) No, she's not. So we kind of have to stop and examine this story a little bit. This only states that Hannah had no children. Right. That's that's the introduction that we're given. Yes. 
So, and then it goes on a little later, and it says that her adversary, which is the other wife, Mm -hmm. Nina, provoked her sore for her to make her fret. So, for her to make her fret. So, she's trying to irritate her Mm -hmm. because she had children and Hannah had none. You can imagine that that home is pretty problematic. Yeah. Whenever you hear the other wife, it's just like, oops. Correct. Yeah, that's that's a big problem. Um, there's actually bullying going on in this family. Mm. Yeah. So, I, I I look back on this. What what is this motherhood thing? Because mm. you know, in in this day and age, we we do we we you know as as women, we can be something other than a mother. Right. So we kind of have to look at this whole thing of motherhood. Mm-hmm. So in the Jewish culture, it was either. You're you're blessed because you have children, or you're not blessed. And this this blessing, I mean, it even the fact that Hannah is barren. I think we're led to believe, if it doesn't say so explicitly, mm-hmm. that she was the first wife, or she's at least the one that El kind of loves the most. Mm-hmm. But she is barren. And when I think back to the um, the kind of genesis of this promise, it's that Abraham was promised his seed would you know, bless the entire world. He would be the father of nations. Mm -hmm. But Sarah was barren. You know, she couldn't really have a child. And so there's a, there's a clear link, I think, to the fulfillment of that promise Mm -hmm. being one that requires uh, faith on the part of the mother. We know that with Sarah, she was, you know, reaching almost a century Mm -hmm. in terms of her age. But with Hannah, that's not the case. But she's still almost... As Sarah has Hagar, mm-hmm. Hannah has Penina, who's there to kind of a visual representation of what she's not. Mm. And that must be hard. Yes. She desperately wants to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And her identity is Hannah has no children. Right. And on in, in verse 8, it says um, that her husband, he comes to her and says... Why weepest thou, and, and why eatest thou not? Mm. And and why is thy, thy heart grieved? <laughs> Am I not better to thee than, than my ten sons? So she's he's even saying, well, what's the problem? I'm treating you well. Right. But she she's she's depressed. Yeah, I don't think he gets it. No. I, it's perhaps <laughs> innocently of himself, but but his duty, in a sense, has been fulfilled. He has a seed that's going to continue his line. The blessing mm-hmm. of Abraham has flown through him, but from Hannah's perspective, as you said, this is, it's leading her to a dark place. Yeah. Well, he, he thinks he did solve the problem right. by bringing in another woman. Yeah. <laughs> but this is not solving the problem for her right. because she has to have a child mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. fulfilled. Yeah. And, and she, she by the, the thing with her not eating and not, Sleeping, mm-hmm. those are sure signs of depression. Right. So we have a young lady who's depressed mm-hmm. and she's being bullied. Um, so what? it's quite interesting to see what she does. Because some, some people in their depression, they just get in bed and stay there or they hide, they Most isolate. Most people probably. Uh-huh. She doesn't do that, mm-hmm. which is really impressive to me. What she does is she cries out to the Lord. Mm. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean it it when you when you jump forward and think of 
who Samuel becomes, if you didn't know who Hannah was, right. you'd have this picture of a woman who her complete reliance was on God. Right. And for me, that is such a testament to, because we know what an issue, depression or other things that harm your mental health can be and how easy it is to to lose God in those situations, mm-hmm. you know, and to, to forget your identity and, and to wallow in self-pity and just to look completely inward. But yet here we have a woman who in her darkest times knows that the best thing for her is, is to look up right. and to call out. Right. And I think that's inspiring. It's, it's actually a humility too mm. that she, she does. She goes to somebody else and, right. and she cries out. How many times do we cry out right. and we say, God, um, I will do this or I will be this or I will you know, take care of this if you will give me what I want. Mm. And she basically did that. She said, I if you give me a man child, I will give him right back to you. Right. And for me, what that almost says is it it is about I don't want to paint a selfish picture of Hannah here, but it seems to be less so about her possessing a child physically and more so about her having had the experience of a mother of being a mother because she's willing to give the child up. That's interesting. She just wants that blessing to to be hers and I think to experience the blessing of motherhood. Well, and it goes back to identity. Right. She wants that identity. Yeah. She wants to be known as Hannah that had a child, mm-hmm. a man child right. at that, not just Hannah that had no children. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. really it does it, it does look like it's a selfish thing, mm-hmm. but she's doing a very unselfish thing right. with that. By offering him up. Mm-hmm. And and how do you, how do you kind of interpret or feel about the promise that she's making to God and and making promises to God. Well, <laughs> I think that it it actually it's it's really important that you follow through with that. Mm. So it shows it shows me something about her that she's just not going to friv- frivolously say that. Mm. And then I don't know. I know. I know. Many times we do that. Yeah. We we say, "Hey God, if you get me through this day, oh, I'm going to do that." I've done that. Mm-hmm. I know that other people probably have. They have. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, I think it's typical. Yeah. And so, how often, when, if that thing we ask for is received, mm-hmm. we just forget God had anything to do with it. Correct. We just move right on. Right. I remember a time mm. when, you know, you have those faithful church members that if they see you in the wrong, they they just feel no way about going up to you and putting their arm around the shoulder, if you even get that, and and just giving you a, a friendly rebuke. Um, I remember there was a time when I had committed to uh, doing something in church. Mm-hmm. I had given my word. And they had, um, how would I put this? The people had very much so demonstrated how important a job this was. And I, I, prom- I gave them my word, I was gonna do this well. And it became like a kind of, it, it was obviously being in church, it was of a spiritual nature. Mm-hmm. And so I was promising to them and to God that I was gonna be able to do this thing and that I would. And I didn't, failed, let them down, let everyone down. And I remember, uh, this uh, elderly grandmotherly figure within the church came to me and she was like, Dean, you know, you really shouldn't make 
promises that you can't keep. I was like, (laughs) you know, yes, (laughs) you're right, you're right, I shouldn't. Um, And she shared with me a passage in Ecclesiastes chapter five, which I'm just going to read briefly, okay. um, but I, I haven't, I've never forgot, forgotten these verses. It says in, uh, from verse two, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version, be careful when you make promises to God. Be careful about what you say to him. Don't let your feelings cause you to speak too soon. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So you need to only say a few things to him. And he says, this saying is true. Bad dreams come from too many worries and too many words come from the mouth of a fool. Wow. And she's reading this. I'm thinking, okay, you can can stop now. (laughs) And then she says, if you make a promise to God, keep your promise. Don't be slow to do what you have promised. God is not happy with fools. Give God what you promised to give him. It is better to promise nothing than to promise something and not be able to do it. That's huge. I was just like, <laughs> whoa, ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. But I really felt like the spirit of the Lord was was speaking to me through her. And um, if my wife was here today, she could attest that um, I'm still not as much a man of a word as I would like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing it, it definitely did for me is I stopped making promises to God. Um, and I started moving away from a, a relationship that was, I guess, transactional, yeah. just based on, I, I gave you my word and therefore I have to keep it. Mm-hmm. And more so based on my desire to serve him out of love rather than obligation. But that's healthy. Mm. That's very good. Yeah. I think that Hannah's story touches me in the fact that the identity of being a mother, mm-hmm. um, she cried out to the Lord and she says, I'm going to give back to you this the gift that you gave to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the definition of motherhood. Mm. But I'll go one step further. Right. I think that's the definition of womanhood. Right. And then I'll go one step further to include you. <laughs> Appreciate it. I think it. <laughs> that's the definition of humankind, that we are to give back our mm. lives to God. Mm. And I think that's what she showed us in this story and I think it it showed us it shows me more and more in my life um, an example of some things that have happened I think by giving our our lives to God gives him the opportunity to really start showing us what he can do through us mm-hmm. yeah in this this act of you know offering up the son that she has so long wanted mm-hmm. For me, that really is a, a beautiful symbol of what parenthood is, in that it is actually it's seeing the fact that how do I put this? I think as a parent, I'm not one yet, but given my experience with parents, it can be very easy for parents to try and live their dreams through their children. You know, yes. naturally, there's things in life that we just didn't get to achieve, mm-hmm. and for many people, especially mothers. That's because they gave up their dreams to be mothers. Mm. And so it's natural that, you know, you still want to do a few things, but you're not able to anymore, whether it be because of age or or whatever. Or it could be also of how they're 
how our lives were,、uh-huh. and we want something better. Right, exactly, so, or something different. Yeah, and so you know, we we just follow that trend and、mm-hmm. and push things onto our children and expect、Definitely. that they become something great, or they must. Have a certain occupation,、yes. or they must earn a certain、they、amount. Must learn the piano how I wanted to learn Exa- from the age of three. <laughs> That's right, and and that can put a lot of pressure on children.、Mm-hmm. And I think that healthy parenting moves from trying to l- live your dreams through your children、mm-hmm. to surrendering your dreams to God and allowing His will instead of your will. To be the the guiding light of their destiny, I think I I'm guilty of that. Really, of of doing that at times,、mm-hmm. or probably a lot of times. Um, something that that just keeps hitting me with um Hannah is this this thing about sacrificing、mm-hmm. and and showing faithfulness and and the fact that when she sacrificed, it showed faithfulness and then it promoted. Sacrifice and faithfulness, or as you study out Samuel's、mm-hmm. life, it promotes it. Yeah, it really does promote it. And w- what you're saying also, it, the other way around, when we are sitting here trying to push things on our children that、mm. that aren't really for them, that's probably going to promote something else. Right, resentment and anger, or trying to trying to get away. That's maybe why sometimes children leave before it's time.、Mm. Is that pressure? We've probably got a bunch of young people listening to this, thinking, "Why do I need to learn about parenting now? So far away." I used to think that too, and now every morning I wake up and see these big, bright eyes and bulging cheeks just staring up at me, and I think, "Oh, I'm not ready." And even if it does seem decades away for you, maybe you need to sit down with mom or dad or both if you're lucky. And start having those difficult conversations. Let them share with you the stories of what they sacrificed so that you could be where you are today. But parents also take the time to listen. You cannot live vicariously through your children.、It、might be tough to hear this, but God didn't make your children to be like you. He made them to be like Him. So let's get talking. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That. A Christian without a Bible is like a soldier without a sword. You can't win a battle like that. So we would like to introduce you to Humble Lamb Bibles. Humble Lamb's goal is to present the Word of God in a way that compels people to read it, and thus connect with God more intimately. They make wonderfully crafted premium Bibles filled with cross references. Beautiful annotations and many more built-in study tools. In addition to their King James Lion Bible, they are now excited to offer the new King James Shepherd Edition in a variety of beautiful colors. And get this: for every Bible they sell, they give another Bible away for free to those who can't afford one. And you can actually get twenty percent off when you use the code WTDT when you check out at Humble Lamb. I wasn't messing about with what I said before the break. 
Make a decision to sit down together with whatever mess of a family you may have and prayerfully and humbly converse about these things. I think you'll find that when we confess our sins to one another, there's real, genuine healing. And that's a Holy Spirit quote, by the way. This call of motherhood, mm. like what exactly are we doing as mothers? Right. So, human mammals, we are born dependent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we must attach mm-hmm. to survive. Yeah. We, ha- we have to attach to survive. If a, if a mammal is just let to go right after birth, they, you know, I've seen videos of, of that elephant dropping out of the mother and it just... Gets up. gets up and starts walking away. Right. And I mean, yes, it needs help, guidance and everything. But really, if it if it watched, it could probably eat. Yeah, something. it's pretty so, independent as soon as it leaves. Right. So that's not going to happen. Right. You you give birth and, and you have to take that baby and keep it warm. Right. And and start feeding. Uh-huh. So this so this is this is called attachment and it's it's actually a, a big deal right now uh-huh. um, in society is is to have a healthy attachment. Mm-hmm. And um, so we need to bond at least with one other h- human um, for survival. Mm-hmm. And uh, mothers, first and foremost, we, we give birth, but we have to set up our child for success by having a healthy attachment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that will happen um, when, you, when you first give birth, just feeding the child, you know, and watching the child and and being close. And, you know, you, I think you attach when you are pregnant also. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel attached. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, because you're, you're, you're seeing growth and you're hearing a heartbeat right? and you're talking to your child. So there is attachment happening. And I think there's, there's study about that too. It's Mm -hmm. pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, this, this whole thing that we get to do, I mean, I can say motherhood because really the mother is carrying the baby, mm-hmm. but you know, the father does start attaching also. Yeah. And, and you would expect a father to attach to the child also, but you do have that special mother, yeah. mother child bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you don't attach though, there's a lot of problems. You, you can be not sure of yourself. You can be anxious. You can be worried. You mm-hmm. can, you can have these feelings that you don't even really know what they're about. You know, mm-hmm. um, you can you can have failure to thrive. Right. You just won't grow properly. Yeah. So I'm sure there's a, a lot of problems I could name off, but yeah. we want to look at the healthy attachment, mm-hmm. and I think we see that. The idea of attachment also reminds me of a passage in the book of Ezekiel. Uh huh. Um, in the 16th chapter, God essentially speaks to uh, to the prophet Ezekiel and gives him this picture of his relationship with Israel, where he says that Israel is basically, um, was the nation was given birth to almost as a child, mm-hmm. but still attached by the cord. And God says there was no one there to cut the cord. And I found you there in the wild, in your blood. And I, he says, I, I, I picked you up, I took you in, I covered you with my skirt, I washed you with water, I anointed you with oil, 
I clothed you and I raised you. And it really does um, give this beautiful picture almost as um, of, of God being in a, in a mother role, you know, mm-hmm. like the taking care and the nurturing and, and helping the child, which in this case is Israel, to thrive. Mm-hmm. And to not just survive, and and it really is a a beautiful picture of the state that God finds His people in, mm-hmm. and then how He brings them to a position where they can go and and live this bountiful life. Of course, with Israel, as we know all too often, they only really stay around God um, mm. and attach to God long enough to become independent, so they can go, as it says in Ezekiel, not my words whoring after other nations and committing idolatry and mm-hmm. adultery with other nations. Um, but this idea of what a healthy attachment could look like, mm-hmm. I think goes even beyond the the physical and the emotional, but even a spiritual mm-hmm. nature to to this and what it could look like if you do have a godly mother and hopefully a godly father, mm-hmm. as, we, as Samuel would have had, where he can then go spiritually because he's attached and because he's thriving. Right. But... And then you have to look at, though, even though you do have healthy attachment, mm-hmm. you still have a point where that child does leave you. Right. And then they make their own decisions. Yeah. We would hope that they don't go off the deep end. <laughs> right. Um, but we, we have to really admit, as a parent, I, mm-hmm. you know, I struggle with that. You do everything you possibly can. Right. There is a point where that child goes and makes their own mm-hmm. decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's part of the parenting role also. Right. I feel like that's actually kind of the goal of parenting mm-hmm. to get them to leave. Correct. You know, like <laughs> not so much like, you know, get out, but you are parenting as much as school as a preparation for, you know, the work life or just the life. Mm-hmm. So parenting is, it's a time of preparation. Right. And the idea I think um, should be to, to raise your child in such a way that when they are ready to leave yes. and able to leave and mature enough, mm-hmm. um, assuming that one, you've done your job well as a mother and a father, um, but also that they have done their job well in maturing and taking in the lessons, right. that you do want them to go. Yes. That should be the goal, I think, so that they can then, as you mentioned, as they've witnessed and beheld the sacrifice mm-hmm. and the faithfulness, mm-hmm. they can then go out and and start their own and then pass on to them the lessons of sacrifice and faithfulness. Right. So we see Hannah, she actually had to do that a lot quicker. Mm, Yeah. And she, I believe she did have healthy attachment probably because of the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. She knew that she was giving him up sooner. And I think we as parents think we have 20 years, 18 years, and we Sometimes we'll probably get a little lazy mm, in what yeah. we do or the time that we do. Oh, I'll have him here next summer, so I'll spend that time. Yeah. But Hannah did not do that mm. because she only had a short time. We think it's seven, 11, 11 yeah, seven just years. We're not sure. Probably not to his teens, at least. Right. Yeah. So we see her probably spending the time every single moment. You know, I tell new mothers that mm. all the time. Enjoy every single minute because it goes so fast. Yeah. I'm I saying told, that just by faith, but right. like right now, the pregnancy takes forever. But yes, I imagine <laughs> right. having grown children. But enjoy the pregnancy yeah. because in a, in a little bit, that's going to be gone. And 
but enjoy the time that the baby's in the womb mm. and you can sit there and enjoy that time mm. of, of yeah. the kicking and all that. But um, Hannah, Hannah did that. Mm. She, she waited. It, it, it actually says in the Bible that, um, that they were going to go to sacrifice. And she actually stayed back. She says, I'm going to wait until I, I, he's weaned mm. before I take him. And I think, I don't know, I'm just using my, my um, thoughts on that is probably she wanted to be at home with him and to make sure that she directed and guided mm. him step by step in an intense environment because she was going to have to give them up. Yeah. So I think I think that's probably what she was doing. It could be for other reasons too, but she did have a healthy attachment in the way that she interacted with her child, knowing that she was going to have to give him up. I wonder how different we would be as parents if we lived like that. You know, if we treasured every moment and if mm-hmm. we lived as though we were actually going to give them up soon. You right. know, how how many times would we then tell our, tell our children, oh, I don't have time for this, I'll do it tomorrow. Right. You know, or, yeah, we can play, but just five minutes, I've got to do these other things. I think if we had this mentality that Hannah had, mm-hmm. like you said, every moment would just be a, just such a, a, a treasured time. Um, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm setting myself up here <laughs> way too high, um, but... That's at least how I imagine it right now. Yeah, I have an example. When my children were little, I tried, for example, you know, don't cry over spilled milk. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to, when there was a problem like that, when they na- knock something down, mm-hmm. you know, I read articles that when the milk is spilled on the ground, just get down and play in it with them. And, you know, that goes so against right. what I wanted to do. But I tried to do that with things. When things came our way to stop trying to um, make it a lesson Mm. of obedience or a lesson of cleanliness, but to really just enjoy the time that you have with them. Mm. Um, I feel like I should be taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and one thing I used to do is let the kids cook. Mm. Um, While I was cooking the meal, I would let them cook. And it was crazy because I let them pull things out of the refrigerator I remember Mackenzie and Bailey bringing a big pot. They could bring a pot out and just set it on the mm-hmm. the floor in the kitchen. And they could go in there and get the ketchup bottle and squeeze it. I mean, they're not going to squeeze the whole thing or I would control that. But I let them have fun mm-hmm. while I was. Those are those are the great memories mm-hmm. I have um, of, of engaging in the time that I had with my children. Yeah. Now, I didn't do that all the time <laughs> because, you know, and that's the other thing is when we get busier mm-hmm. or when we have other uh, goals other than this this wanting to really connect with our kids, we kind of mess with that. But yeah, those are, those are great memories mm-hmm. that I have. Yeah. So I think, I think every, we have to go back to this, Hannah, she, everything she must have done those first few years mm-hmm. was to, to, just to grow him and right. get him ready to, to live without her. And that's why I believe there is no better cure for selfishness than parenting. There's something about a, a helpless, fragile life that is so completely dependent on you for survival that just connects you on a deeper level to the divine. When I look at my son and gaze into his eyes, I can't help but just think, I would do anything for you. I'd give up everything for you. That's exactly how our Heavenly Father 
looks at us. What's crazy to think is that we're entrusted with the most important work, raising a child to adulthood and to present a living argument that Christianity is truth, that God is truth, that He is love. The whole purpose of this work is so that they can leave us, so that they can then start that process all over for themselves. There isn't really a, a tangible reward for parents in that sense. Yet nothing could feel more fulfilling. Sacrifice, faithfulness, those are the double pillars of parenting. And also that we can just give it up so that others may be blessed. And so God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When I dreamt of being a mother, I, uh, I, I made that position my identity like Hannah did. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know whether I did it in the fact that how Hannah did when she said, I'm going to sacrifice. She's going to sacrifice Samuel to Lord's work. I don't know if I did that. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I don't know um, that I did that at first, but there were some things in our life that um, made that happen. Mm. What kind of things? So my husband and I were struggling in our, in our marriage and in our family life, and I think it's because we, we were basically living like the world wanted us to live, and we weren't, we weren't sacrificing our lives daily to God. Mm. Had you already had the children at this point? So yes, we did. We we've had the children, and we were actually wanting to have the children experience, like you kind of said earlier. We wanted them to experience all these things mm. that the world was giving us, like sports and ballet lessons and taekwondo. I can really keep going. <laughs> oh yeah, and <laughs> sailing lessons. We lived in North Carolina, and wow. the kids got to have sailing lessons. Yeah. And we we got to a point in our in our family life that we were drifting away from the the identity of being Christians, mm. and we were we were pretty much living. You know, it's kind of strange because we weren't really like I don't know what you would call worldly or doing crazy things. Mm -hmm. But our lives were so busy doing those things that we were not not connecting right. um, to, one another. A, to one another. And then we decided that we needed to um, we needed to do things a little differently. Mm. And it happened that there was a, um, a health evangelist that came through, okay. and this health evangelist. Um, he, he was teaching us yeah, health principles and things like that, but it wasn't just what we were eating. It wasn't what we were, um, everything that we were doing. It was a combination of worship, of family time, mm. of um, healthy habits. And when we started doing these things, it was interesting because it really changed our family unit. Wow. And, and it's so strange because we actually started being different than the world 
and we started sacrificing what we thought was normal life. And when we did that, God started giving us a a kind of a a new direction. Mm. So what happened was we decided to start a family ministry and we ended up pulling the kids out of school, which was so countercultural, mm. you know, to, to what we were doing before. How old were they at this time? So they were, um, let's see, like a 12 and, let's see, or 14, 12, and 10 wow. or something. So they mean right in the thick of school. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, when we did that, <laughs> we bought an RV and we started, we started putting out what we wanted to do. And small churches all over the place started asking us to come. So what we wow. were going to do is we were going to come and do health seminars. Kind of like what you had received from... From this gentleman. Uh-huh. Mm. So we were, we were going to carry on what we've learned because it was healing for our family. And mm. we wanted to share that. We, 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 uh, we saw that and we were going to be faithful to what we saw. And, and it actually... We did it kind of fast, so it it we were in the midst of it, but we were pretty much, you know, gung ho with it. It was not like we just started these things. It, it was about a year or two after we had. And the kids had embraced this fully as well. They they have hmm. they had by this time, and it, it's. I mean, I have a lot of stories to tell about about that, but they they really did, and I think they actually embraced it more because of the healing it did for Roger and myself. Hmm. Um. You know, I got up in the morning. I would get up at four to have my personal devotions. Oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah. It, I never had done that before. Mm. And that so, it changed our whole atmosphere of our mm. house because I had my heart ready mm. to start the day. Boy, it was amazing. Wow. And, when, and then, we, then we had family worship every morning and we, we made breakfast together. We, the kids were helping me cook. Squirting ketchup. <laughs> no more ketchup anymore. <laughs> we were actually making our own ketchup wow, at this how point. About that? <laughs> no more squirting it. But they were old enough that they were actually doing it with right. me, which was wonderful. So when we started doing this, this travel, they, the kids got to be involved in it. They were doing their music um, for the program and my husband, who's a physician, was mm-hmm. doing the medical talks, and he was combining it with the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I was right there by, by his side, being the mother, the practical part of it. Because right. a doctor can say something, <laughs> but then a mother stands up and says, but this is how this we is do it. it. Means, yeah. So it was, a, it was a perfect balance. Yes. And as we did that, um, our family was growing, but then we saw how we could heal others mm-hmm. and help them. And um, Roger and I would do counseling with the, the couples, the families. Right. After we did the, the health talks, we, we did one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. We would teach them maybe how to schedule their life and, mm-hmm. and make changes. And then we'd do a cooking class. And uh, so we'd spend about a week and a half at these churches. Uh-huh. And then we'd travel home. And my husband would work a few shifts mm-hmm. and make some actual money. Right. But we did this for two years. Wow. The most wonderful thing was how um, what had done what what God had done for us, this whole sacrifice and faithfulness mm-hmm. breeds or promotes sacrifice and faithfulness. What happened was we decided to um, 
the kids wanted to go to high school. And so we found a, a boarding school mm -hmm. and we came to, we went to visit it. Mm -hmm. And when we went to visit the school, um, because we were looking at how we would, could live in the area and my husband could, could work at a hospital mm -hmm. nearby and, and I wasn't thinking that I would work or anything. Sure. But I ended up, um, while we were there, my daughter came home and said that the, the girl's dean um, was not coming back the next year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. I had done some deaning previously okay. as a student missionary. And and I was like, wow, I, you know, I wonder what they think about me or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, well, by the time we visited there, they... We had interviewed. I had interviewed, and with my husband, and and they they thought of hiring me at uh -huh. this boarding school. Well, sure enough, they they hired me. So I actually started working as a girls' dean, mm -hmm. and I got to see mothers and fathers bring their young people. Mm, that's right. <laughs> to me, so I could, you know, get them through high school. But I saw them sacrificing because mm -hmm. who, who wants to send their kids away in, at high school? It's just so interesting because I saw this go full circle. Right. I, I needed help. I changed and made changes in my life. I sacrificed. I was faithful to those things. And now God has given me the chance mm -hmm. to bring in young girls into my dorm. And I was going to teach them those things mm -hmm. that I had learned with our family. And it's just so amazing wow. how God gave us that chance and that I got to see parents do exactly what Hannah did right. as far as bringing their children and laying them at my feet and saying, here they are, you know, that's it, a huge, huge responsibility. And yeah. I, I take it as such mm -hmm. that, that I, I had a lot of tears and stress during that time because I, I was responsible for these, yep. these children's lives. So I just, it's just so amazing how God w is faithful to us. Mm. And, and we see that with, with Hannah. You know, it's interesting. Um, after she gave Samuel away, she gave Samuel to the temple. She, in, in chapter two, she actually has this prayer of, of thankfulness. Mm -hmm. And, and in this prayer, it's like, it's, it's something when you sacrifice something and you you see what God does with it, you you do. You just want to be so thankful. And mm -hmm. I am so thankful. I think of problems that we've had in my life, um, struggles that we've had, but the the story, the the story that God has given us and the the adventure that we've been on. I mean, thinking of all the travel we've done. And then coming to this school and and working at the school, which was just an amazing mm -hmm. thing. Um, but we did that as a family. It's right. not like I just did that. Yeah. My kids were there mm -hmm. and my husband was there. We we all had to do that as a family. And it was hard. Yeah. It's a hard life because mm -hmm. it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week with these kids. But God strengthened us mm -hmm. through through what we did. In First Samuel two, mm -hmm. um, it starts with Hannah's song that she's so she's so thankful, yeah. and she's she's showing an attitude of gratitude, and she um, she saw how God went. She got to see how God worked 
through her son, mm-hmm. Samuel, which, I mean, we can just go on and on, but we, we won't have time for that. Yeah. But it's just a great read to see what Samuel did. Mm-hmm. And that's what my prayer is. My prayer is that I will have that, that, that faithful attitude of gratitude um, because I I still have some time to live and, and I'm, I'm getting to see the wonderful things that my kids are going to be doing in their lives. And I'm excited. My last one is graduating from college in May and she is moving forward. And we were just talking today. Um, she just got her first job offer. And you know what? I'm not sad. Like we said before, I'm ecstatically happy. She's going to be moving away from me far away to a very cold place. I don't know why, but she is going to do that, and I am so happy for mm-hmm. her. And that's how I want to be. Yeah, I want I want to now watch my children have their adventures, and I just thank God that I'm able to do that. He that hath an ear, let him hear. And you've just heard our latest show. If you'd like to hear more or hearken back to a previous episode, you can find us at whythedidthat.org. We would love it if you could subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could go as far as leaving a review, that would be amazing. You can follow us on your favorite social media accounts, Facebook or Instagram, at whythedidthat. And of course, YouTube, where you can actually watch this episode now as well as listen to it. So make sure to check that out too. Finally, if you would like to support this podcast and keep it running, please consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash WTDT. This show was produced by the supremely talented Paul Keefe and the video editing by Jonathan J.J. Jensen. And a special thank you to everyone else on the Why They Did That team. Once again, I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That.